Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the Inbound Marketing Director at Builder Funnel, and each week we bring you marketing and sales strategies for your home building or remodeling business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. This is marketing and sales strategies in between job sites. I'm your host, Spencer Powell, and here at Builder Funnel, we help home builders, remodelers, and contractors generate more leads from their own websites and close more sales. Uh, and with me today, I have Kyle Hunt. And Kyle has worked for a remodeler in the past, handling all their marketing and sales efforts, as well as managing the installation team and the financials. But for the last 10 years, he's been a business coach to remodelers, and he helps remodelers around the country improve their sales process their marketing plans, and overall business systems. In addition to that, Kyle and I actually go way back, probably several years at this point, and we've collaborated on a few projects in the past, so I'm super excited to, to have him on the show, but Kyle, welcome. Thank you for having me, Spencer. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to, to get started, and I like to, to kind of waste no time and, and dive right in. So my question to you is, Kind of with all the remodelers you work with, what are the biggest sales challenges that you see coming up over and over again? So hopefully some of this information will be timeless, meaning if somebody pulls this up and finds it two years from now or three years from now, um, it'll still be valuable. But to answer that question in the context of late 2017, coming off of uh, the whole year of 2017, most of the remodelers I'm, I'm talking with are not lacking leads. For most, for most of them, when you think of the biggest sales challenge, a lot of it is is they're a bit overwhelmed with it. So whether they're overwhelmed or whether they're you know needing every opportunity that comes in, um, one of the biggest challenges is making sure that we're protecting our time. None of us, no remodeler out there, is is lacking things to do. You know, there's a ton of things to do. So if we can protect our time in the sales process, aka qualify out bad leads and do that professionally do that elegantly do that professionally so that we're spending more time on more ideal clients and less time on leads that aren't going anywhere you know everybody's set up better so that that's one big challenge is just kind of feeling overwhelmed or how do i qualify leads better how do i make sure that i'm spending time on the leads that i need to be spending time on and for for me the solution to that comes down to taking the initial phone call you have with a new prospect much more seriously than a lot of people do. And there's, there's just a ton of reasons for that. Um, it's, our, it's our first impression. Um, it's our opportunity to show how we're different than anybody else they're talking to. It's that first opportunity to build no like, and trust and some relationship with them. Um, it's, it's our opportunity to explain this is how we work, five very powerful words. Right. This is how we work. It's our opportunity to qualify them to maybe get to the point where we have a vivid enough picture of their project in our minds that we're able to ask them, what are you looking to invest in this project? So one of the challenges is, is figuring out how to be much more effective on this initial phone call with a new prospect. And I can I can share maybe some other particulars if that is intriguing to you to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And and maybe before we get to that, let's just kind of take a half a step back and 
what do you see as maybe the the core stages of that sales process? And then let's come right back to that because I want to get into some of those questions and uh, ways that I guess you draw out the the information you need to qualify on that first call. Sure. Yeah. So so bigger picture sales process and the different stages of it before, during, and after the initial phone call. I think a lot of times we think there's one stage, the initial phone call. But I like to even break that down to before, during, and after, which we can talk about. Awesome. Um, we've got that. We've got that. Obviously, the initial in-person meeting, and then we've got a bit of a fork in the road. A lot of remodelers have been been working and getting implemented some type of design retainer or some type of project development agreement, so that they're not chasing every single lead that comes in. And then some people go after that initial in-person meeting, go into full proposal mode. And then we've got our, our follow-up, converting them um, into actual clients. Uh, and then, frankly, when, when I think of the sales process, I think of what happens when we sign them. There shouldn't kind of be this void. There should be some things we're doing then. And then when the job is done, how do we stay in touch with them? So I'm, I'm coming from an angle of, of marketing and sales and continuing to build know, like, and trust. So that's where I see the main main components of the sales process. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I love the last piece too. It doesn't just end when you actually sign. You know that that customer becomes a, a referral opportunity and a chance for future work potentially, and kind of treating them as a customer for life almost. But uh, let's yeah, let's jump back to that initial. I guess you broke it down into kind of the before the the call, during the call, and after the call. So, uh, what are some things that some of our listeners can do today to maybe make a few improvements around that initial call. Yeah, yeah. So again, I, I put a lot of emphasis on it because of all the reasons I shared earlier of protecting our time, of differentiating ourselves, of explaining how we work, of qualifying them. So a, a lot of times um, we get a lead maybe through our website, maybe Builder Funnel helped you generate a good, nice, solid lead. You get an email with their information. And a lot of times, yes, it, it certainly is important to be timely and to be quick with calling them, but but I kind of urge remodelers to hold up a little bit. We have so many, so much technology at our fingertips and so much information that we can gather about this pro, that, this prospect that we'd be a bit foolish and to not take advantage of that. So when I, when I think of that, if I clicked just for a couple minutes and I put their name into LinkedIn, and if I found out that they were an engineer versus somebody, maybe another prospect that's a stay-at-home mom, is the way that I sell that person, is my approach to that prospect gonna be different for a engineer versus a stay-at-home mom? Absolutely, right? Definitely. If, you know, so to get a little bit of information, if I'm also on LinkedIn, I might say, you know, how long have they been working for this company? What do other people have to say about them. You, you read some of the recommendations, you get a little bit of feel of who they are. You know, did they just move to the area? You can get that information very quickly. I'll click on Google. So this is again, all before I make the initial call, but all the stuff I'm listing might take you five, seven minutes. I click on Google, I might search their name, see what pops up. I might do a quick uh, Google, you know, Google Maps search and I can see a little bit of their neighborhood. I might even go to, to you know, street view and kind of see what that neighborhood looks like, age of the homes, the upkeep of it. I might look above it and see, yeah, that definitely looks like an addition or that, man, their property line is right there. Just some information that as a professional remodeler, I can start to put in my back pocket. I might click on Zillow. The old Zestimate isn't isn't 100% accurate, but it gives me a little bit of a feel 
you know, for the, the value of the home. It gives me a feel for if it's been recently sold or not. So those are some things. And then with all of that information in my back pocket, there's one more place I'll go, which is Facebook. I might search their name on Facebook. I'm going to see if I have any mutual connections. I'm going to click on their profile and just, you know, learn a little bit about them. I can see if they're married or not. I can see if they have kids or not. I can get a little bit of a feel for, you know, how they roll, if you will, right? The key with all of that information that you now have at your disposal or that you have in your back pocket is you're playing with a little bit of fire. You don't want to weird them out and say, oh, I see that you're a Michigan fan. Well, how did you find that out? Yeah. Oh, oh, I saw your pictures on Facebook, right? You're playing with a little bit of fire, but we're good enough salespeople to understand that. We're good enough salespeople to realize that that information's valuable to know, it's helpful to know. I know who this person is, and I'm not going to be weird with it. I'm not going to ask them weird questions that I would only know if I was, you know, digging into a ton of details on Facebook. But it's good information to know. So often we skip through all of that. But man, a few clicks, I know so much more about this person. And when I know more about them, I can sell them better. I can build some know, like, and trust better. So that's kind of the the before, which I see just so often when I, when I teach that to remodelers, when I talk about that, a lot of times I get the response of, yeah, I, I guess I just skip right past that. No, that would be helpful to know. No, that would be helpful to take a, take a look at that, understand that. So that's the before component. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I mean, I think you're right. We skip over, how can we learn just a little bit more about this person before I actually connect with them? What I'm curious about, because you said, you know, we are playing with a little bit of fire here. So when you do get on the phone, what are some common ways that some of those things start to unfold maybe more naturally, I guess? Yeah, it might not be on the phone. It might be at the in-person meeting. You know, that's one thing to, to understand. You know, when it comes to LinkedIn, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, I, I, uh, I'm pretty detail oriented. So I did click on LinkedIn just to, to get to know you guys a little bit. And I see that you're, you know, you've been working with so-and-so that company for a long time, right? The other thing that pops up is there's mutual connections. Hey, I just clicked on LinkedIn as I was just wanting to get a feel for who you guys were. And do you know, you know, Joe, good friends of ours, you know, we've known for years. Oh yeah, I do know Joe. One little thing like that can make a huge difference, right? When there's mutual connection. So, you know, it could come up that way. You know, I think a lot of times it just doesn't come up in really blatant ways. Like, for example, I know they're an engineer and I'm just approaching my conversation with them in, in a little more detail, detailed manner. I might be explaining our process step by step in a little bit more detailed manner. You know, so little little things like that is how it would come up. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love the connection piece because you kind of said, hey, if you're going to bring up LinkedIn, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Just kind of frame it. Hey, you know, I was just looking to learn a little bit more about you before we mm-hmm. connected. And that can be totally normal. It doesn't have to come off as creepy, you right. know. Um, so, no, it could, you could even play it into, you know, a benefit. You're part of what we're doing here is starting to differentiate us. What makes us different than everybody else? If we look and talk and act the same as all of the other remodelers out there, the only thing that prospects are going to decide on between us and anybody else they're talking to is price, right? And price is a terrible place to compete. Yes. There's always someone willing to go out of business sooner than you, right? Me, <laughs> exactly. Me, you know, There's only one low cost. I'm trying to be the low cost provider. We need to differentiate ourselves. So if I were to say, you know, I, I do a little clicking around just to, you know, I'm a bit, we're very detail oriented. You'll see that as you go through this process. 
you know, you can tie it into some of your points of difference effectively too. Um, and I'll, I don't want to use all of our time here on this initial call, but let me just highlight a few other things. Um, get in the right mindset. You know, tell me, and when you think about it as, as remodelers who are listening to this, tell me, you know, some other areas of your business that has more impact than this initial phone call. Certainly the, the initial in-person meeting is important. That handoff between sales and production is important. You know, the, there's a lot of other key moments in your business, but man, top one, top two, top three key moments is on this initial phone call. And when when this phone call is, is happening when you're driving around, and I get it, you're busy, right? But um, it's critical that you're in the right mindset, that you are fully focused, that you are fully into this initial call. If I was doing this web, this uh, um, podcast recording from my car, I would not be as focused. I would not be as into it. I would not be, you know, thinking through what I'm saying at the level that I am right now. Right. So getting in the right mindset on this initial call, making sure that we're not pulling out a blank sheet of paper and just asking the questions that come to mind, but that we're prepared with something like a project discovery sheet, something that is going to remind you of the questions and the thoughts that that you have there um making sure that it's more them talking than you talking i don't as you might know spencer 63 percent of all statistics are made up <laughs> yeah that's right? a, that's a so good one I don't right? know the ex- I, yeah i don't know the exact percentage of it but it should probably be 70 percent the client talking and 30 percent you talking meaning we're asking a lot of questions that means we're doing this initial phone call um properly um yeah so there's some other other little tips on that yeah, Kyle, and I'm really glad you mentioned mindset because I'm actually just reading reading a book, but there's a really good takeaway that connected to what you just said, and um, he has a kind of a trigger he uses for himself where he'll, if he sits down to start working on a project or he's about to walk into a meeting, kind of reminds himself, who needs my A game right now? And I think it, it just kind of connects with that mindset, which is before you pick up that phone to connect with this person, think about who needs their your A game. and. You know, it's your team. They need, you know, you on your A game. And even the people you're about to call need you on your A game so that you can give them the best service. And so I I like that you mentioned mindset. And I do want to move on to some other areas of the sales process. But really quickly, let's cover. So you're on that first call because you said we really need to protect our time. What are maybe a couple of questions or strategies to use on that call to make sure that we're effectively qualifying and not going out on a million appointments. Mm-hmm. I'll just share. I'll just share one, which Perfect. is the maybe the most controversial one or the toughest one to crack, um, which is asking them what their budget is. What are they looking to invest in this project, or what is your budget? And the key for me with that is number one to share with you. It's very very possible to do this, especially if we're talking about kitchens, baths, basements, projects that maybe we've done a lot of it's a little trickier to ask this on an addition project there's so many variables right so the the key with it is that this question comes late in the process it's you know asking up front you know do you have 15 or 20 minutes to talk right now so you're setting the stage that this isn't going to be a two-minute conversation where i just get your address and we set up a time that we're actually gonna have a conversation um but when we talk about budget what, what we need to aim to do is we're asking enough questions about the project. We're asking about the age of the home. We're getting approximate size of the kitchen. We're understanding if there's soffits or not. We're understanding approximately the if, if any walls are moving or if any major plumbing is moving. You're starting to ask enough questions about this project where for most of my remodelers, they start to get a clear picture in their head 
of what this project looks like. And they also start to get some budget ranges in their head. They also start to think of, man, that sounds like the Johnson job. That sounds like the Smith job. That sounds like the Hunt job. And they know what they, you know, what those projects came in. At. And when they finally have that kind of clear picture in their head of what this project looks like, asking that question, what are you guys looking to invest in this project? And then zipping your mouth and getting a response. A lot of times it'll be, well, I don't know. That's why we're talking to you. And you can respond with, well, based on, you know, my experience, based on the project that you're describing, several similar projects that we've done in the last year or two come to mind. For a project like this, you're looking anywhere, this is a big range, but anywhere from 40000 to $60,000. How does that sound to you? And then again, zipping your lips. That's going to elicit some type of emotional response, right? Either, yeah, no, that's kind of that's kind of where we're thinking. And I'd quickly follow up that with just saying, yeah, you know, there's so many variables here. There's a lot of decisions to make, and that was a big range, um, you know. But if that's kind of what you're thinking, let's talk about kind of the next step. Or they may be picking their jaw up off of the floor because they were watching <laughs> HGTV and they thought it was going to take twenty thousand dollars and it was going to happen in two weeks. Then I'm educating. <laughs> Right? I don't kick them off the phone. I start to teach them. I'm educating them. I'm explaining to them why, but I'm also probably not going to go forward with that project. There's other people I'm talking to that are just, all they're doing is they're in kind of research mode. They're really not in taking action mode. And they're like, thank you. That's all I was really looking for was kind of a range. And you've provided them a service and that's great. Right? So that's probably the biggest thing is getting that question out on the table um, and having a conversation about it. When, when you've never done it before, it seems like you can, can't do it and it's too tough to do. And then once you do it a few times and it works, you're like, oh, crap, why haven't I been doing this? <laughs> yeah. It's so helpful. So that's my answer to that. Yeah, that, that's great. And I, I love, I want to just highlight the part that you said about, you know, zipping your lip, you know, right after, you know, mm-hmm. ask the question and then don't continue running on and start throwing out numbers, you know, see right. what, you know, you need to get that response. So, right. yeah. That, and that's, that's, awesome. that's part of the key is like, that's that's training right that's don't tell me anybody listening to this myself included don't tell me that we can't be better salespeople than we are right now and that's and that's part of what it is is like you you step back at the end and this is another tip by the way you step back at the end of initial phone call and say what worked what didn't spend two minutes man you know i didn't even tell them about our process i didn't you know they, they gave me an opportunity to ask them about where they moved from and i just blew right by that but now that i step back and think of it that could have been a, a nice little no like and trust builder um you know i i botched the way that i asked the budget because i i said what's your budget and then i just kept rambling it didn't give them a chance to respond right so what worked what didn't we can all improve and that's what you highlighted there is just a little tweak that if you start to do that you know, you can get better and better at doing this initial call. If you can master this initial call and get better and better at it, it's just so huge for setting up the rest of the process for differentiating yourself for protecting your time. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I do want to come back if we have some time to hit some of the other areas of the sales process. But I know one of the challenges that we see coming up all the time is around uh, just lead tracking and lead follow up. And so mm-hmm. How do you see, uh, I guess, tracking in terms of are there tools or technology that you find are really helpful or certain methods? And then in terms of remembering to follow up, because I feel like a lot of people get lost in the sales process sometimes just because mm-hmm. we get we get busy, right? Yep. So on the, on the tracking side, it can be as simple as get a whiteboard in your office and just get very clear with the different stages of your sales pipeline. Spencer, you've done this well in some of the content that you've sent out of just 
I think we overthink it. Like, so it can be as simple as a whiteboard and you can say, um, step one, appointment to be set. That means somebody that's called us that maybe we've talked to or that we need to talk to and there's not an appointment yet. And then we have a next section that says appointments um, in progress or, or working on design or working on proposal. Um, if we have a design retainer, we simply have um, you know design retainer signed. If we don't do design retainer or project development agreement and we do proposals, then there's gonna be a section of our pipeline that says done proposal for, haven't signed. Then there's gonna be jobs in progress, meaning people that we've signed that is not completed. And then we're gonna have completed jobs, 2017 or whatever the year is. That in the basics, let's before we even worry about technology or this or that, just get clear with these are the steps in my sales process. So it could be as simple and low tech tech as pulling out this whiteboard and just putting all of your leads that you have out there under each of these categories. A similar thing could be done in an Excel spreadsheet, you know, very simply. And then you can get more advanced. You know, I have something called Remodelers Autopilot that that does it. Um, Builder Trend and co-constructs in varying degrees of effectiveness have some of this ability to do it. Um, there's a lot of CRM tools and systems out there, but I would say the biggest thing is before you worry about before you worry about this technology or that technology, just get clear with what are the stages in my sales pipeline. Let's not overthink it. Um, part of the answer is also whatever works for you. Good, do that. Right? If if it's a whiteboard, if it's an Excel spreadsheet, if it, whatever it is do that. The, the main thing also to emphasize and why you're bringing it up is it's very, very important, right? We spend all of this time, energy, money developing these leads. And so often because our lead tracking is a big stack of folders on our desk or, you know, we're not organized, things slip through the cracks. We have a conversation with somebody and we should follow up with them a week later to book the appointment, but we get busy onto the next thing or we've done a proposal for this person, we've called them once, maybe twice, and we think, oh, they didn't call us back, so they just get forgotten. And I mean, you can look at studies and this and that and probably your own experience and realize there's a lot of additional work that we can convert if we're more consistent with following up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're right. We we think one or two follow-ups is kind of, uh, I guess that's that's enough, right? Because if, mm -hmm. if it was important to them, they would have called back. But I always think about, you know, if I'm this busy, everybody else is that busy too, you know? So just because they right. got a couple of voicemails from you doesn't mean that, you know, right. they're going to call you we're gonna back. Do, we're going to do a live test right here too. So Spencer, if I wanted to get an answer or reply from you, like personally you, would I have more success texting you or calling you honestly you'd have more success texting me and probably i would put email after that and then call <laughs> right so. so when people call you it's kind of and this is the this is the the culture that we're living in i i pretty much have the exact same reply if you call me and i'm busy we're all busy i'm in the middle of a meeting i'm in the middle of this and i see a call come through from you and then i get a voicemail and it just says hey i'm following up Right. Versus I get a text from you that says, hey, I just wanted to follow up. I haven't gotten this from you or, you know, I, was, I wanted to check in on this or even better. You're linking me to something of value in your follow up, which is also kind of key to follow up. You're going to get more response from me via text than you are via phone because I can kind of multitask and I'll probably respond back. So that's a tip that a lot of remodelers haven't been taking advantage of. But 
probably 90% of the contact numbers that you have for your prospects is their cell phone number these days. And a lot of people are just like you and me, where they're going to be more apt to respond via text than any other way. I, I had a group uh, group call for a training session I did, a bunch of remodelers on the line. And one of the guys, I was sharing this tip with him, and he, he started texting. I think he texted three prospects back that he's called once or twice and that haven't responded. And he sent the text to him. And two of the three he got responses to within minutes. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Then, then the phone call. So it, it works, right? And I think also part of that is just, you know, your follow-up doesn't just need to be a phone call. It doesn't, you know, make sure, yeah, shoot them a text, shoot them an email. And, and the other thing that's a good challenge for me and for everybody else is how can you follow up without using the word follow-up? <laughs> you know, a, AKA, I'm following, I'm follow-up with just something of value. Maybe you recorded, um, you know, a, maybe there's something really solid about that build clean system about job site um, cleanliness that you heard during your sales appointments with them and your meetings with them that you know is of value to them. And maybe your follow up is simply, hey, something that we talked about a lot is job site cleanliness. I know that's important to you guys. I wanted to send you this um, information about our build clean system and how it works. Or we created this little video that shows you a little bit about our job site. Um, cleanliness, and we thought you'd like to see that. Not even saying, you know, follow up, follow up. You you are following up, but you're also providing value to them. Um, that's another kind of little way to effectively do it. Yeah, that's great. And and Kyle, we may have to actually set up another one of these so we can just dedicate some time to follow up because that's definitely sure. a, a big topic to unpack. Um, but I guess taking just a, another quick step back and thinking about the whole sales process when you're helping somebody implement some of these changes. You know, change is hard, it's difficult, we're used to the way we've always done things. So what do you think, as you help people implement this, are the biggest sticking points for for change, I guess? Is it parts of the process? Is it a certain stage? Is it uh, certain, you know, best practices or habits or routines or anything like that? What do you think are the biggest sticking points for implementing some of these things? Yeah. So if I'm talking to, so this isn't applicable to everybody, but it's applicable to a lot of folks that probably are listening to this. The implementation of going from, I provide free detailed estimates to I am going to charge a project development fee or a design retainer and make that part of my process. I will still give you a free estimate. Here's your free estimate. I will talk to you on the phone. I will come up to your home. I will share ideas with you. We'll talk about the project in, in detail, and based on my experience, based on everything we saw here, I'll be able to give you a pretty good educated range of where this project would fall. There's your free estimate. Now, if you want a detailed proposal, if you want detailed specifications, if you want more of a guaranteed budget, and we start to make these selections, we can absolutely help you with that. And we charge fill in the blank to provide that service to you. You know, it could be as simple as we charge $300. We charge 2% of the low end of the budget. We charge $750. That, when you ask kind of what's the biggest challenge, that mindset shift that that's possible, that that's needed, that clients would actually buy into that idea, um, that's, that's my biggest challenge. My biggest thing that I really need to gear up and sell to my clients is this concept of doing that. And once they start to do it and they have a little success with it and they realize that it's a win-win-win all around, 
does that have a huge impact on their business? Does it protect their time? Does it convert more leads into, into sales? So that's, that's my answer to that is, is that implement implementing some type of gate that they need to walk through in order to get more time from us. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's a great one. And it really, I mean, um, I know you've used the language earlier in the show, professional remodelers. And I think that's what stood out to me is that's, you're being a professional professionals get paid for their time and their mm-hmm. expertise. And, um, so I really, I really like that. Um, the mindset change is often the, the hardest yeah. one. So yeah. that's so great. Wait, I'll share two, two more things on that. Great. Um, one, one being, one of them being head trash so often, like we've done it for so long that we've got this head trash and, you know, floating through our head of nobody would want to do that. Nobody would pay for that. I can't do that in my market. You know, whatever the case might be, we've sometimes we just got to get rid of that head trash. And then the other thing is, try it. Just because we try something new, for example, think through what we've already talked about. You know, if somebody says, "Well, maybe researching them online makes sense." Try it. I'm not saying that you have to do that forever and ever. You know, or you know, asking them about the budget. Kyle told me, you know, get a clear picture, ask enough questions to get a clear picture in my head of what this project looks like, and then ask the question. And my heart's probably going to be pounding a little bit because I'm nervous about it, I'm anxious about it, I don't know how they're going to respond. But then I do it, and I try it. It doesn't mean that you're going to do it forever and ever. I've had clients that said, okay, um, here, I'm going to charge $300 for a project development agreement, and I've practiced enough to kind of explain what it is. I'm going to try it. Right. So it doesn't mean that you're going to do it forever and ever. But so often we just get hung up and we get into analysis paralysis versus trying, tasting, testing, measuring, tasting, you know, getting getting just trying things and and trying something new. You know, that that knocks down some of the fear when we just say, you know what, I'm going to try it once or twice. But, man, a lot of times when we try it once or twice, we realize, ooh, that's a really good idea. And our and our confidence level in it goes from zero to 70 or 80 percent really quickly. So that's some additional advice on that. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I mean, change as a I guess just thinking about the definition is going to be different and it's uncomfortable. And so I like uh, your advice there, which is you don't have to think of it as a permanent change right away. Just try it. It's going to, you know, like you said, maybe your heart's pounding. You're scared to ask that question. But right. if you can just do it a couple of times, you say, okay, you know, well, I'm just going to do that and see how it goes. And then if I really yeah. want to, you can always go back. And that can sometimes help get over that hurdle. So, Kyle, I have one last question before we wrap. But I want uh, I want you to tell everyone how can people get a hold of you? How can they connect with you? Um Tell us a little bit about about that so we can make sure our listeners can get over to you. Sure. So there's a couple couple things I would point you guys to. If you're listening to this, chances are you're into podcasts. Um, I am bringing back from the dead. It's been stagnant for a while, but I've got a few other few podcasts here recently. Um, if you type in your favorite podcast search or editor uh, or listener, uh, type in Remodelers on the Rise, Remodelers on the Rise, so that's one way to get a hold of me is just to listen to some podcasts that hope will bring you value. Um, another thing is if you're on Facebook, I have a group of remodelers, some of my clients, some just remodelers um, in the industry or been on my email list for a while and, and signed up for it. There's a free private Facebook group. So if you're on Facebook, type in remodelers community and it's a private Facebook group and there's just a ton of good conversation in there and I, I lead that group. There's kind of no charge to that. If you want to know more about kind of my services, one of my main services I offer is called Remodelers Autopilot. So if you go to remodelersautopilot.com, I think that's good. 
Or cool. if you want to send me, you got you got all excited about that text idea. You can call <laughs> or text me at uh, my number is five one seven nine zero two eight four five zero. Something that I'm like all about is just taking action. We're 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 loaded with ideas. We're inundated with ideas. What we lack is actually implementing ideas. I would love nothing more than for somebody who has listened to this that said, "Hey, that that text follow up idea was kind of good," or maybe you had another takeaway from this. Um, if you sent me a text message that says, Hey, I listen to that builder funnel podcast and I'm going to start trying this or I'm going to try that. Oh, I would, I would love that. I would absolutely love that. And that would prove to me that you're somebody that's taking action. We need to be more about taking action. Most of you are remodelers who are wearing a ton of hats. And when it comes to improving your processes, some of the processes that we talked here, um, you don't have a lot of time for it, right? If you have hundred percent of your work time, probably 90% of it is spent in the business managing sales, managing the production process, meeting with vendors, dealing with accounts payable, accounts receivable. So you only have maybe five, 10% of your overall time to devote to working on the business. So pick one idea, pick one thing that makes sense to you, that resonates with you, and work on saying, during this month, this is what I'm gonna work on implementing. Just one thing versus trying to kind of improve 10 things at once. Take one thing and implement it. That's awesome. Sorry, I went on a little rant there. No, no, that's great. I think, I mean, you're exactly right. Action, you know, is worth uh, so much more than a million uh, ideas and thoughts and, you know, yep. grandiose plans uh, that, that don't get implemented. So, yeah, thank you, Kyle. And I'll make sure that I link up all of those uh, places in the show notes so you guys can easily get access to that. And then I'll put the phone number in there so you can make sure to text Kyle what your big takeaways were from the show today. Uh, so Kyle, as we wrap, um, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? One piece of advice. Now you left that broad. You left that broad. <laughs> where it's wide open. Sales, yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go broad with it, whether you like it or not. So I've been, as Spencer said at the top, I've been running my business for about ten years. Um, just it's just under ten years, but. I've been working specifically with remodelers all that time. And I, I had somebody, I spoke at the remodeling show in Nashville last month and somebody asked during the Q and A time, they said, so, you know, what's your biggest, you know, as far as growth goes revenue wise for one of your clients, like tell me one of your success stories. And I answered it in a kind of a different way. And I'm going to kind of leave it, leave it here as well in kind of a different way. Yes, of course. That's a lot of our goal is to grow our business is to build our business. And it allows for a lot of things, but, my biggest successes in what I do as a business coach for modelers more goes along the line of I'm overwhelmed by my business. My business is running me and I'm not running it. Um, my relationship with my spouse is not as strong as it could be because I'm stressed. I'm not being the dad or the mom that I'm wanting to be. I'm not, you know, I'm not giving time to my faith and something. I want to spend more time on that. I'm not reading. I used to like to do these hobbies. And I'm, I'm missing this. The key to having a better work-life balance, and that's where I'm going with this kind of piece of advice, the key to getting a better work-life balance, which I think is a huge part of what we're chasing, is, is to have systems, is to have processes. If we're flying by the seat of our pants, if we pull out a blank sheet of paper, if we're you know, doing our initial phone call you know, during our dashboard time and not really focusing, you, you can hear, if you listen back to this, a lot of the things that you're missing. You're not qualifying them. You're not protecting your time. So the key is start implementing processes. Start getting some things in place to protect your time because that's the, 
that's the gateway. That's the um, key that you can stick in and unlock to having stronger work-life balance. So that's something I'm very passionate about. And uh, maybe that little passion appeal will be a good closing note. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, and thank you, Kyle, for, for joining me on the show today. This was awesome. Like I said earlier, we might have to schedule another one to dive into to follow up, but thanks for being on the show today. What's this might, what's this might stuff? We will, we will schedule. <laughs> we will. We'll take that action, right? That's right. I'd love to. Cool. Thank you, Kyle. And thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Builder Funnel Radio. Just a quick reminder that if you haven't Uh, subscribed on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Make sure you do that and leave us a review. And we will see you next time on the next episode of Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.